to turn to Acts chapter 6 with me. Serving God together for his glory. That's what we started on last week, looking at Peter and John and the, the beggar, and how we said that if we wanted to serve God better together, we need to be at the right place at the right time, as we saw Peter and John was, and they were at the right place at the right time by doing the normal responsibilities and fulfilling them as they normally did. They went to the temple court to go and pray as they did regularly, three o'clock in the afternoon, and out of that, God used them mightily, being at the right place at the right time. And we also looked at last week that when we serve together for God's glory, it firstly must be centered in worship, our own personal worship of God. And then out of that, practically, we need to be obedient to what God lays in front of us. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ need to be central in our worship because then it will have a lasting effect upon one another's lives. And we said that as a church, in serving, we need to keep Jesus central to all that we do. Now, this morning, I would like us to look at the example of serving together through his ability and not relying on our own strength alone. And I'd like us to look at the example of Stephen. And so I would like us to start reading from verse 1. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Tables is basically other activities. That was the word that they used. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now Stephen, a man full of grace and power, performed great wonders and signs amongst the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene, Alexandria, as well as the province of Sicilia and Asia. 
who began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom that the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified. This fellow never stopped speaking against the holy place and against the law. Verse 14 says, For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like that of an angel. Definitely one of my favorite characters in the Word of God. No doubt one of the personalities that influenced my life the most ever since I had an experience with Jesus as a little boy. And oftentimes I would look at this man and I would say, Lord, that's the type of attitude that I need to have. I remember moments where my mother and I would talk about our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when my mom would say to me, Piet, and she was always very, very gracious. She said, your face glows like that of an angel. I'm surprised that she never changed my name to Stephen instead of Piet. And I was a small little boy, but all that I wanted to do was to serve Jesus. And the problem was that my school teachers didn't think that I had the face of an angel. Because I didn't quite do what they wanted me to do. But the fact is that this is the person that I believe can inspire us to do what God has called every single one of us to do in a way that will produce not only breakthrough into our lives, but also breakthrough into the lives of those that we're working with and those that we're ministering with. And of course, those that we're working with are great opportunities for us to minister to. I don't believe Christianity is confined to the local Sunday service or our prayer meeting on two small groups during the week. I believe that the biblical truths that we see here in the Word of God has a wider effect upon where we work, the children we raise, the babies we nurse and care for, the schools we study in, I believe the life of Stephen is of such a magnitude that he teaches us what it means to serve God and to serve others effectively. Now, Stephen's name means victor's crown. There are two words found for crown in the New Testament. The word diadem, which means a royal crown, and gives us the word diadem. 
and Stephanos, which is called the Victor's Crown, which gives us the popular name Stephen. You see, you can inherit a diadema. But the only way to get a Stephanos crown is to earn it. And we know the story, or maybe you don't, but Stephen was the man that God used in so many different ways. And let me just for a few minutes give you a little overview of his life. Stephen, his name is Greek, and he was actually born to Jewish parents who spoke Greek. He was a Hellenistic Jew. He lived in Jerusalem, and he had become a Christian. And the Bible says that he was a man full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. He was full of faith and full of power. And when I just looked at how the Bible described him, full of wisdom, full of grace, full of power, full of the Holy Spirit, I said, well, what is the main quality of this man's life? Well, when you look at it, you see that he was a man who was full of God. You could characterize his life by the term fullness. God's fullness dwelt within him. But it's very interesting, and I hadn't seen that until I was looking at the Scripture this week. We see here in Acts chapter 6 that there was a problem within the church. There was a little bit of a split going on between the different categories. And these widows were receiving attention, but the others weren't. And so because of the racial tension within the book of Acts, the apostles got together and they looked for a solution. And the way to solve this problem was they said, choose seven men among you who are full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. So the church did this. And I oftentimes look at this passage of Scripture, and we see here that the Bible says they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And I wonder how the people saw that he was full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Good question, isn't it? And then it goes on and it describes that he did many miraculous signs. And I always thought when I read this passage of Scripture, that Stephen started out by serving the widows, and then he went into ministry, and it's not true. He was already involved in evangelistic campaigns. He was already involved in doing all kinds of ministries. And we see here that even though he had somewhat of a profile, he wasn't an apostle, he wasn't a pastor, he was normal like you and I, but there was something uniquely within him that the Spirit of God gave him. It's not earned when you do miracles. You know, an evangelist, it's a gift that God had given to him from the Spirit. And he was operating out there. But even though he was ministering out there, this man had a humbled heart. He was a servant. And the people chose him and said, hey, we need you to come and help and bring order. He wasn't so arrogant and said, well, look what I do out there. You know, 
that's where God wants to use me. He became a part of these guys who started to work amongst the widows, which some in those ministries would see as menial. But in God's eyes, every activity that we are involved in for him is important. It's a good time to say amen. And we see here with Stephen, that's the type of heart he had. He wasn't above certain responsibilities. And so we see that he came in and he started serving where he was needed. Here at Lyft, there are two things I ask people when they come into the church. I say to them, Find your passion in the church and serve there, number one. And secondly, if you are able and if you have time, we'd love to use you in areas where we lack. Some people only want to serve in the areas where they have a passion. But you know, in a church context, there are areas where we just need you to help us for this period of time. It may change. That's a servant's attitude. That's where we should be. And we see that this was the makeup of this man. And so they chose him and with a team. You see, evangelists are normally seen as people who act independently. They can't work with people in a team. Well, we see that this man, Stephen, because he had a humble heart, he was full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, full of the power of God. That made him a humble servant, not an arrogant operator. And so he started to serve where they needed him. But the Bible tells us in the next chapter that as he was doing these things, he still stepped into that place, which was his primary gifting, and he preached, performed miracles, through the Spirit of God, as God enabled him. But we also see that this man started to preach, and he preached the gospel uncompromisingly. And we see that the end of his life ended in death. The Bible says that he was the first martyr in the New Testament. When Ruth Bell Graham, Billy Graham's wife, was a little girl, she had a passion for martyrdom. Of course, martyrdom is when you die for your faith. She grew up in China where her parents were missionaries. She used to pray every night that the Lord would let her be a martyr before the end of the year. She wanted bandits to capture and behead her for Jesus' sake. Her sister Rosa used to think, how horrid. So every night when Ruth prayed like that, Rosa would pray, Lord, don't listen to her. (laughs) And later Ruth Graham says that God gave her a martyrdom for life, because we know that she died at the age, I think, 87 years old. (laughs) Thank 
God and that he doesn't answer all of our prayers. Influenced great evangelist called Billy Graham. But my friends, I love this character. And in the times that we live in, I wonder how Stephen would express himself in the world that we're engulfed in at the moment. And the challenge for you and I is this, that for us to serve God, the best way to do it is to serve Him through the abilities that He gives us through the Holy Spirit. For us as a church to go from glory to glory, as we said last week, as we talk a little bit about vision this month, as we as a church go from here to here, my friends, we cannot do it in our own abilities. We're going to have to do it based on the power of God's Holy Spirit that is available to each and every one of us in whatever area of responsibility God gives to us. We're going to have to function out of the resource of God because then, even when we do, do the menial tasks, as some may see it, there will be a huge impact and influence for the kingdom of God. What I love about those who, who serve closer to me and with me is that no task is too small for them to do. And I've seen it. And I love that. It inspires me to greater heights when I look at them. But that is when the Spirit of God works within us. And lift, the only way we're going to get there is as we learn how to have a heart like Stephen's where we allow God to immerse us in the Spirit of God. The times that we live in, normal talent and ability will not be enough for us to get where God wants us to get to. It will require for you and I to live lives full of the Holy Spirit. There's a fullness that is required of the church to take that step forward into the unknown future that is destined for each and every one of us. Stephen knew to some degree what was going to happen. But because he was full of faith, and because he was full of the Holy Spirit, he stepped out of that place of smallness, and he stepped into that place of largeness by taking care of the tasks of the widows with a team. My friends, if you're not a team person, you'll be left behind into the future because God wants to use teams of people. And in that context, God will explode within a team context his abilities to extend his kingdom. When we are full of the Holy Spirit, there is a humility that comes. There is a grace that flows through us. There is a power that is released through us that is larger and more powerful than the forces 
and the powers that will limit us. And those forces and those powers are many that would seek to limit the church to preach the gospel in regions beyond. Sat with a group of pastors here in Zook about a month and a half ago. And we were talking about all different types of things. And I said to them at one juncture, I said, guys, I understand what you want to do. But I said, this conversation is not going to get us to take the gospel out into Europe or even into Switzerland. I said to them that Europe as a continent is a continent that has the second lowest conversion rate over the last 50 years in all of the world. My friends, something has to change within Europe. Something has to change within the church. Said a similar thing to one or two of my friends in England, and we were talking, I said, you know, England, um, Europe, Switzerland, you know, there has to be a strategy to get the gospel out again. In the early 1900s, Europe was buzzing with the gospel. I think so often we become so comfortable with our own abilities and we measure our success by our own success. <laughs> I believe that God is raising up Stephen generation. You've heard about the Joshua generation. You've heard about all kinds of different generations, but I believe God is one to put the spirit of someone like Stephen within our hearts, which is really the Holy Spirit. And within every sphere where we are at, that that would propel us to serve God in ways that we've never served him before. My friends, if lift is to go from one place of glory where we are at to the next in God, we're going to need to learn what it means to receive the fullness of God, the fullness of the Holy Spirit within our lives. And we are very privileged to be in the best position to receive that because Jesus is so for us and Jesus is so available to release his Holy Spirit. The Bible says that it's Jesus who gives gifts unto men and women. Together, we could make a real difference. But don't you just love the attitude of Ruth Bell? She had an undying passion for Jesus. Church, our passion for Jesus need to rise. I hope none of us die a martyr's death. But my friends, if that is what it takes for the gospel to be spread and for Jesus to be known, that's the equipping that God will give us as his church. We're so privileged here in Switzerland, aren't we? It's a great place to live in. But our desire is that we would live lives of fullness. You see, Stephen, he was full of the Holy Spirit.
And of course, the scripture tells us that when we are full of the Holy Spirit, we are controlled by someone else. I was looking at these terms and I was wondering and, and reading other books and, and I just couldn't get the definitions that I really wanted for us. And I thought, well, what does it really mean to be full of the Holy Spirit? It means that we are controlled by another. And it is that we are controlled by the Spirit of God. And what does it mean when you, you know, and Bible likens it unto drinking wine. Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and wine affects us in ways that we normally wouldn't act or react. And my friends, the Holy Spirit, when we are full with Him, He'll enable us to act in ways that we shouldn't act for His glory, for the extension of His kingdom, and that is over and beyond our limitations. Would you say amen to that? That is what causes the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to move ahead. That is what will cause lift church to break through the barriers that we need to break through at this current time. My friends, on holiday every now and then I would think about the church, I would think about our role here, I would think about our future. And time and time again, and I said to the elders on Thursday night when we had dinner together, I said to them, while we were on holiday, when I'm on holiday, I feel very unspiritual. And... Um, it's almost like a detoxing time from everything that happens, emotionally and even spiritually. And it's like a detoxing time. And so I don't feel very spiritual. And I'm sorry, I'm not as spiritual as some of you. And it was amazing. The moment we drove into Switzerland, I felt a burden upon my shoulders for the church for Switzerland and for Europe. It was absent while we were in France having a holiday. Maybe that's God's way of refreshing us. But as I stepped in here, it was like he placed a yoke upon my shoulders. And I believe that yoke upon our shoulders is for us to carry the gospel into parts that needed. I even had a conversation with myself. I said, Lord, I know you've placed this on me and on us. I said, is it enough for me to be focused on lift, having 37, 38, 39 nationalities to come in? Is that the limit that you have called us to? Because I've always said when we came to the church, I said, God has called us to something much bigger than ourselves. And after six years, I said, Lord, I haven't even stepped out to that. As a church, we, we really haven't got it even close to where we want to go to. Lord, yet it is maybe the picture I have of what you're calling us to is to be. Maybe this is what I should be happy with, people coming in, people getting saved. And that's amazing, isn't it? People getting baptized. That's wonderful. Is this the limit? You know, but as I stepped into Switzerland, I knew that I would never be satisfied with this only happening here. I believe God has uniquely placed this church here, not for ourselves only, 
but for others and for far-reaching others, but we would never be able to do that if we are controlled by ourselves, if we're controlled by our culture, if we're controlled by our environment. That will limit us. It will give the devil a hold on what we can do. My friends, but when we are full of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives us an ability that is larger than our own, and it causes us to do things that we don't do naturally. That is our desire for you. Rice. This week I was praying for you, and I saw Bryce's face just time and time again. And I feel that there is no limits to what God can do through you. I had a conversation with Bryce after last Sunday's sermon, and he looked at, um, it was what, Acts 3 that we looked at. And he just said to me, Peter, every time I read, every time we look at it, there's something that comes up. There's so much more. And this man inspired me after church, and throughout the week I said, Lord, there's a desire, there's hunger. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Don't be filled what people speak over you. Don't be filled by your past, and you have a good past. I know, we've spoken. But your future is much bigger, but you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit increasingly. And so God would be speaking to you and I. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we'll do things that is way beyond us. He was full of wisdom. Many of you would say, well, he wasn't very smart when he called the rulers of the day. In Acts chapter 7, you stiff-necked people. That wasn't very wise. But you see, my friends, the wisdom of the world is not the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is very different from the wisdom of the world. I want to say to you today, be very careful what you listen to within the world. There's two kingdoms in conflict here. It's the kingdom of God and it's the kingdom of the world. Most of you spend all of your day within the workplace and there's so many voices who speak. Make sure that you hear the voice of God amongst all of the other voices. And God will make you wise to deal with the things that's happening within the workplace at home, within your family and friends. My friends, the wisdom of God is very different from the wisdom of the world. If we as a church merely operate by way of the wisdom of the world, we'll sell ourselves far short. Stephen was a man full of wisdom. You need to ask yourself the question, what does God's wisdom look like for me? So a couple in our church, while we were in lockdown, and as they came back, we started working, and they had opportunities to go away for weekends. But they also had an opportunity to take a day or two before the weekend. And they said, do you know what? We're going to make a decision over this time. It's probably not forever. But they said, for this time, we're making a decision. Wherever we go, we're going to get back on Saturdays so that we can serve at Lyft on Sundays. I don't have to do that. But in God, they found 
a wisdom in Him to serve. I want to ask you, get before God and find a wisdom in God for yourself. People online, find a wisdom of God for yourself. If we are to move much further ahead in God, we need to be filled with wisdom. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10, or chapter 2 verse 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. But I believe it was a wisdom also that the Spirit gave to Stephen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 and 8 says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. There's wisdom that we get from the Word of God, but then there is a gift of wisdom that God gives. Not everybody has the same measure of that type of gift, but God gives it. And Stephen didn't only have the wisdom that comes from maturing in Christ, but the Spirit of God gave him wisdom. God is going to give you as a church different gifts from the Spirit that is supernatural in nature. It's not natural. It may be contrary to your normal self. He'll give you that type of gift so that as a church, we can move from one level of glory to the next so that the gospel can be preached. He was a man full of wisdom. He was a man full of faith. Just what does it mean to be full of faith? <laughs> I think, you know, and we know that the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the book of Romans. But faith is like a living entity within us. Faith is not a stagnant quality within us. Faith is something that can live and grow or diminish within us. Stephen, the Bible says he was a man full of faith. And my friends, the context that we place us in, the conversations that we listen to, the things we are involved in will either diminish your faith or it will grow your faith. Would you say, would you agree with me on that? It is really true. The companies that you keep, the people that you're with, they'll either diminish your faith or they'll help your faith to grow. My friends, lift people, please stand with me on that. We need to make sure that we are within the companies of people who causes our faith to grow. Because faith must be fed. And it must be fed through the word of God. It must be fed by the faith of other people. It's an attitude faith too. If people speak negatively all of the time, my friends, it means that their faith is diminishing. It is not growing. 
It means that we're not seeing God clearly and in full view. Our faith needs to grow. Faith is not something superficial. It's something that happens within us that causes us to see Jesus and the things that he wants us to Stephen was a man full of faith, but he was martyred. <laughs> Stephen was a man full of faith. It doesn't always mean that the end is good. It means that sometimes when we enter into a situation in faith, that we face struggles and we have to push through. We have to push through. We have to push through. My friends, let me tell you a little bit of our story, and some of you know it well, but for the sake of the visitors, do you know what? When we came to Switzerland, and I've never been someone who looks for a demon behind every bush. You could ask my wife. She sits here. No, I'm not a hyper-spiritual chandelier swinger. But my friends, coming to Switzerland, I knew that the enemy is hard at work through discouragement to stop us from doing what we do. I know that for a fact in my own personal life. And that means to feed my faith for the things that God has called us to. It requires prayer, it requires being amongst people who will inspire my faith. And God has given me a spouse, Jenny. She is super positive. And she inspires me in faith. And there are people here who inspires me. My friends, Stephen was a man full of faith. But that comes when we give ourselves to the Holy Spirit. My friends, struggling doesn't mean that you are low on faith. It just means that you're pushing through. Did you see, go and read chapter 7 of Stephen's sermon to these guys. He was in big trouble. But he pushed through. And God was gracious to him. My friends, I want to conclude when we look at serving as one of those principles that will help us as a church to step into that place that God has for us. And this is what I've learned from Stephen this week. I've learned from Stephen that he raised the bar in serving. He was involved in big tasks, but was willing to step back into so-called many your tasks, and then to step into a task that ultimately cost him his life. I want to ask you, if you're a child of God, do our lives bear any resemblance to the faith of this man? Because, my friends, it is that which God calls every son and daughter to is a life of absolute obedience to him. Stephen raised the bar in serving. Join us here at Lyft to raise the bar in serving for the next 16 years or however long God places you. Lift the bar with us.
Secondly, his serving influenced others towards Jesus. When he was martyred, there was a young man called Saul of Tarsus that was part of the group that stoned him to death. Stephen's influence, faithfulness to God, being full of faith and the power of the Holy Spirit, so influenced Paul or Saul of Tarsus that he encountered the Lord Jesus on his way to Tarsus. Well, from Tarsus on his way to Damascus. And his life was radically changed. His serving influenced others towards Jesus. Lift, let our serving influence others towards Jesus. Not towards us. Not necessarily only towards our church, but towards Jesus. And then lastly, love this. Stephen finished what he started. It entered into martyrdom. 